a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Alpine Stars Protects on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast. This is the Red Bud Wrap-Up. Round seven already, man. I can't believe it. Uh, plenty to talk about when it comes to Red Bud. And, uh, but first, we want to thank the folks at Fly Racing, flyracing.com. Please check them out on the web. Go to your local dealer. Walk up to the parts counter. Smash the counter with your fist and demand to see the Fly Racing catalog. And uh, they will show you all the things they have from watercraft to hard parts to the gear that you see out there with Baggett and Pike and Bloss. And Benny Bloss, by the way, third. Rocking Fly uh, racing gear out there. Incredible ride by Benny. And uh, thanks to the folks at Fly Racing for making it happen. And also Max's Tires. MXST Tire is out now. Developed by the king, Jeremy McGrath. Uh, from your bike to your trailer to your mountain bike to your car to your light truck. Max's Tires will have you grabbing the whole shot and ripping out big leads. Thanks to uh, Max's for making it happen. Maxxis.com. Also to Alpine Stars Protects. The A-Star gear this weekend that Eli Tomac wore was uh, very, very cool. And and uh, they are into the protection business uh, outside of gear as well, whether it's a Tech 10 boot, which is the benchmark boot in moto, the A4 chest protector, the A1 chest protector that can go over top or underneath, uh, Alpine Stars protects uh, Bionic Neck support system as well. They have uh, Alpine Stars, simply uh, some of the coolest stuff out there, some of the best made stuff out there. You know that from uh, uh, having Alpine Stars in your life over the years. So let's talk uh, Red Bud. Let's talk uh, Travis Pastrana as well. That, that's a real cool th- thing that happened last night. Uh, first up, to discuss all of that, he is uh, the voice of Lucas Oil Pro Motocross Championships. He's the voice of Flat Track with Ralph Shaheen. He's Jason Wygant. Yeah! What's up, Weege? Fired up, man. Fired up? Fired up. Yeah. Good. Going through Good. social media, checking out this Travis Pastrana thing. Everybody... I don't know, he has a very wide net of people that can say, oh, yeah, I'm buddies with him. And yeah. that really helps. really helps build buzz. He, just going he, through social media right now. It's out of hand. Look, I just talked to him for a story about a month ago I'm working on that will come out in the fall, and the guy couldn't have been any cooler. He he, he actually called me back because he had to go the first time. He didn't know, and he apologized. Like, I don't really know him that well, but I know him. He's just he's a good guy. He's a really good guy. And I, I challenge anyone to, to say that he was fake or putting on this show when he was racing and all that. No. The guy's cool. Um, also on the line to discuss uh, the jump and Red Bud, Montreal Supercross winner, two times. Montreal Supercross is coming back this year. Will you be racing Montreal, Jason Thomas? <laughs> no. It's coming back. I think it's awesome it's coming back. I Man, I love that race. I love the event. It's uh, I liked it a little better when it was in October because I like to get that fall weather. Going. Yeah. Uh, but... 
whatever September will still work. I just loved everything about it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't always think we were uh, Quebec, uh, native Quebec. You know, uh, inhabitants don't always love of Americans so much, but um, nevertheless, my experience was always a good one. Well, half the fun was the after parties after. And I really never got too much into that stuff. I just, I loved everything about the event. I just liked being at that stadium, and I thought that the, you know, the fans in Quebec are just over-the-top enthusiastic. Um, and it kind of, for me, it kind of kicked off the, the Supercross offseason and, and I guess the whole Supercross season mm. as a whole. I mean, Josh DeMuth apparently had to get carried to his room on Friday night and then made the podium on Saturday. Uh, he did not make the podium. He crashed the last lap. Um, he should have won the damn thing is what he should have done, but he petered out. Was that the year? I don't know. It could have been another year. Yeah, that, that was that No, that was that, that was that year. Yeah, that was the year Nick won. I went for eight laps maybe. Mm. And then, uh, yeah. All right. I got, that was the year I got the side cramp. I got the fried rice versus the oh, yeah. normal rice. Oh, yeah, yeah. the fried rice. and the rice debacle. The rice debacle. There was. Friday night rice debacle, Wygant. You should have been there. Oh, man. Um, all right. Uh, so... Let's start with the jumps, right? Weege? Yep. Start with the jumps? Yeah, that's actually, we have to because that's why we didn't do this show last night. It, it really is. We all got sucked in. We got sucked in. <laughs> I admit I was. Um, so, History Channel, uh, Travis Pastrana, three jumps. Look, the first jump, anybody who raced the motos at Redbud could have done the first jump. Um, but the other two were pretty good. The run-in for the Caesars was short, and Pastrana had them all handled really, really easy. JT, you were too negative on Twitter about this whole spectacle. I Yeah, I took some heat for it, but I don't, I don't really view my opinion of it as negative. I just feel like, and I guess they're limited to what evil did, right? So it's not like they could just create some new obstacle because this, these are literally what evil jumps. So I understand that. For me, it's just there was such this awesome stage, and they did such a great job of providing this platform, and we know what Travis is capable of. That new trick he just did the other day is, for I guess it was for Action Figures 2, is lunacy. I mean, it's absolute insanity to be able to do that trick on a motorcycle, and then you watch Travis jump, and I know it's an Indian, and it's you know 340 or 350 pounds or whatever. I get that that raises the level of difficulty, but... For Travis's level of expertise and talent, this was a walk in the park. And I just, man, I, I wish it would have been something where for a guy or guys like us would have been like, wow, that was what that was awesome. I just was kind of left like, yeah, I mean, I feel like he could have done that, you know, right at two minutes after waking up, like no big deal, throw him on a bike, he jumps it. Like I just didn't think it was that difficult for him. Weege? Yeah, uh, the out of all the stuff I saw, what really sucked me in on this was the show was – the, the jumps were one thing, but you know this is going to be 42 seconds probably total of riding in three hours. So I really enjoyed the cavalcade of people that had no clue about any, how any of this works, being experts. Uh, I mean, it was just an all-star cast. I just it, loved it, the way the TV show was done. It really was. And it was amazing. Yes, yes. Once Bill Goldberg came on to <laughs> break down how you jump a motorcycle, I was like, okay, I'm locked in now. Um, <laughs> But also social media was the same way. And what I realized is by watching this live and then following on Twitter, which is what you're supposed to do with live events now, is he has touched down in so many different worlds. And then whenever he pops up and does something amazing, everyone claims like, oh, yeah, 
I'm buddies with Travis. I know Travis. So you had all these NASCAR people into it because they know Travis, and all these Moto people into it because they know Travis, and all these X Games and freestyle action sports people. I know Travis. We know Travis. Travis is our guy. I don't know if there's anyone else. He might not be the most famous athlete or the most successful athlete, but the variety of worlds he's gone into, been loved, had some success, I thought that was what was really intriguing about it. And, yeah, for sure, these weren't the most impressive stunts he's ever done. But I just feel like people root for him because they like him, and they, well, like you said, he called you back. You feel like you got a little skin in the game, which I do. I've interviewed Travis. If, I don't know if he actually knows me. But he would recognize me, and he would give me time, and then he's done that with, what, probably 900,000 people? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing, though, is, like, without the evil tie-in and the jumps, I don't know if he gets three hours on History Channel, right? Like, like if they just said Travis Estrada is going to do this jump, whatever it it is, uh, I don't know if he gets time. I think it's the evil can evil thing, because people need to understand evil was huge, in the mid seventies, I mean, he was so big. Um, he was way more popular than Pastrana is now, right? Oh, absolutely. Pastrana's well known, yeah, but nothing like this. No, no, he yes. was incredible. Yes. Um, so I think you evil have crossed to- all. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Steve. Evil crossed all mediums. There was no. You didn't have to be endemic to any sport, motorcycle, yeah. daredevil, and, anything. You knew who Evil Knievel and if, was. And if you crossed him, he beat you with a baseball bat. <laughs> That's um, true. But uh, <laughs> but um, so. I think you need the evil thing to get on the History Channel. But I'm with you, JT, on like, dude, those, those are pretty easy for Travis. They're pretty easy for a lot of pro motocrossers, I would bet. Um, you know, they have everything figured out. They have the speed you need, the, the bike, the weight of the bike, the angle of the ramp, everything else. Now, it takes a lot of balls, of course, that Travis has. But I just don't think you get those, those, that time on TV without relating it to evil's jumps and all of that. So Yeah, I, I understand that. And we're probably we probably know too much. So you're there's probably I don't know I don't know how ratings work as well as Leach does, but I would say this probably got over a million people, maybe a million share, something like that. I, I feel like there was a lot of people tuned into this. We kind of uh, got some info leaked to us. I think it was almost I think it was about two million that watched. So that's big okay. compared to what we do. So let's, yeah. Let's figure let's figure ninety nine percent of those people. Or, okay, 90% of those people, let's be generous. Say 90% of those people have no idea about motocross, they've never ridden motocross, they don't know about dirt bikes, they don't know anything. They probably thought it was insane. So I'm, I, can, I can understand that side and, and see it from a completely objective person and be like, wow, that was incredible, he jumped all those buses. And yeah. I was just looking at it from my perspective, knowing what Travis can do, and I was like, man, he's probably laughing inside that motorhome about how easy this is. Like, I, believe, I, believe, I truly believe that. I think he was like, man, this is going to be – deep down, he was probably like, ah, oh, this is going to be a walk in the park. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, – and I would have – I mean, honestly, like, I know the History Channel has to promote their 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 shows and get these guys on, but, like, I would have loved to seen something with MX Sports or Feld and where they followed his – they talked about his star-crossed moto career and, yep. and how that didn't work and how he was literally a prodigy. You know, he was, he was going to be the next massive star. And then they could have done some X Games footage, you know, from ESPN, sending it into the drink and all the things he's done there. But instead, they trot out Goldberg and a skier with pink hair and a sports psychologist and everything else to, and a weather people over and over to just beat it into us that these people didn't have any ideas of what, what really what it was like. Hart was fine. Knoxville was funny. Sal is the ultimate extreme motorcycle host. Just 
spare me all the other stuff. Like, I, I got it. Three-hour production, but... Like, let's dive into Travis. People should find out about Travis, man. He's guy's amazing, all the things he's done. That's my only gripe with it, and I was making a lot of fun of it on Twitter. But I almost – I know they didn't do it on purpose, obviously. They, in, in their mind, they probably thought killed it. This TV show was awesome. But I discovered something amazing. The cheesiness and badness of it is what kept me glued to it. Like, <laughs> these text threads we had going of, like, is Sammy Sosa coming out next to break this down? Where's Where's – Where's Eli Manning to give us some analysis? Right. Like, it was almost better because it was such a disaster. Uh, you can go on YouTube probably right now and spend the next half hour learning way more about Travis Pastrana and seeing way more impressive stuff that he's done in a half hour than this thing could do in three. But somehow that crappy production, I really enjoyed it almost because of that. It was like a really fun way to sit around the couch. My wife watched the whole thing just so we could make fun of stuff. It was great. <laughs> But never Travis, like no disrespect to him. It was everything else. Yeah. That was hilarious. No, it was it was I mean <laughs> we we really found out like the, the heat in Vegas and the what oh. that could do. I mean we really broke that down from every angle. Like yes. <laughs> I like when they were talking about like from those two landings previously, he's so exhausted. His body is yeah, breaking down yeah, yeah, for this yeah, third jump. Yeah. And Right, and it's like we know, you know, it summed it up best, Jamie Little, another one of the many, 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 many people who has been involved with Travis in a variety of ways, like covering him in different sports and everything. She said, she summed it up better than anybody. She said, honestly, that was cool, but I've seen Travis have to do so many bigger things in big moments than that. And I'm like, that's exactly it. This wasn't not impressive, but if you know anything about him, Dude, but, but, the chances of this going wrong are nothing compared to I'm going to do some 360 X games that I've never landed ever yeah. under, and I've got to do it now. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm going to jump, out of, I'm gonna yeah. jump out of this airplane with just my Red Bull. <laughs> when he said, he said this might be the scariest thing of my life, jumping out of the airplane with just a Red Bull, that's it. You cannot. <laughs> you can't top that. I just, I think you need the evil thing to get on History Channel. That's why. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree with yeah, that. So that, yeah, yeah. that's, and, that's and that, you know. I know that limits what he can do, right? So it's it's a self-limiting proposition because if that's what evil did, then that's what you got to do, yeah. and that's a very low percentage of what Travis's talent, you know, maxes out at. So all those things I take into account. I just wanted it to, man, this guy is incredible, and I try to explain. I was with people that aren't into the sport, and just they're just you know normal people, and I was trying to explain to them how insane Travis is and what he can do and what he has done. And I just didn't feel like those jumps represented any of that. And, and that's fine. I know that maybe wasn't the goal, but that's just what I was hoping for personally. My, my favorite was, well, first of all, Goldberg was great. Like, Goldberg knew nothing. Nothing at all. That was great. Uh, my favorite, though, was the weight of the RMZ 2450 that was off by probably 25 pounds uh, compared to the weight of his Indian. And then a giant uh, slot machine. Just a 210-pound slot machine or something there. Uh, just to give us an idea... I don't really – slot machines aren't really that big anyways. Nobody really plays giant slot machines, but there was one there next to – like, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, okay. Oh, you know what? I wasn't sure about the difference in weight, but now that the giant slot machine is there, totally makes sense now. Like, <laughs> that was so random. That was – Goldberg and that slot machine were the most random things ever. There were a lot of things that, yes, they could have done to make this really interesting – uh, or give it more analysis or depth or something, but it was not the direction that they no. were looking um, to go. But going, driving from one jump site to the other down the strip with high-fiving ah, fans, <laughs> gold, just gold. Oh, man. Um, that's good, though. I was, cool. stressing about his, 
I was stressing about his bike. He kept doing freaking burnouts, and I'm like, dude, you've got to go easy on your bike here. Like, you're going to freaking melt this thing. It's 115 degrees or whatever, and you're just doing burnout after burnout after burnout. Yeah. I was more worried about his bike having a problem than anything. The one weather chick had the uh, the thermal reader for the for the concrete or for the asphalt and then showed it, and we couldn't see the number. That was, that was funny. <laughs> We're like, yeah, we can't see that. We don't know what that says. That could say anything. But You know, when he's riding there between venues, which I thought was really cool, uh, knowing him, like, didn't remember his first Supercross, which I think was maybe it was Indianapolis, I think, in, in yeah. uh, 2000? Yeah. He decided to try to do a stunt on the parade lap yep. and crashed, yep. of yep. course. Yep. Yep. Uh, so remembering this, I'm like, there is a chance. Like, these, he's got these jumps, no doubt. But there is a chance that he just gets bored and decides to do something stupid on the ride between venues and wrecks yeah. the whole thing right now. Like, with him, you have to keep all, all expectations in mind. I was like, I better watch this. Yeah. What if he sees something else he wants to jump on the way for no reason and then just wrecks everything? <laughs> I think there was a little, a little conjecture there some talk about him maybe doing a heel clicker over the final one. But oh. I don't think it didn't um, come to fruition. A couple things, too. Uh, clearly, Robbie Knievel is out of the family, or or down, or no one could find him. Because Robbie, Kelly, Kelly. what? Yeah. Kelly just doing all the work. Yeah, yeah. Robbie jumped the fountains, I believed. On a yep. C- yeah, Robbie jumped it. Uh, not mentioned, never spoke about, and not not around. <laughs> Robbie's just gone. Uh, and also, too, I'm glad Hart got some money. Now he can buy more weights to put on that stack uh, for for more chest and bicep curls. Hart's jacked up. I didn't, oh my god! I, I, I haven't seen Hart for a while, but he's been pumping iron, Kerry Hart. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't think he's uh, under water code at the moment. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but I mean, seriously. Oh, and you saw that? Uh, did you see that Metzger? It was kind of at the beginning of the show. They were saying like, no one's ever jumped the palace on a bike like this. Yeah, they were, yeah. <laughs> they were somewhat mentioning that it kind of has been done, but they called it, you know, it's been done on an FMF, FMX bike is what they were referring it to. Yeah. But then as the show went on, they kind of dropped that disclaimer. And then the yeah. final hour just kept, no one's ever done it, no one's ever done it. And I'm like, this oh, yeah, is going to yeah, get yeah. some heat. And then Metzger had to go out there with a picture of himself backflipping over it. Oh, he did? On social? Or oh, what? yeah. Yeah, he posted. Oh, he sure? He's like, did I just hear them sure, saying TV, no one's ever done it? Here I am backflipping over it. Yeah, yeah. So I knew that was coming, too. How about you but jump? Whatever, man. How about you jump them lengthwise next time, guys? Someone jump, jump them lengthwise. Yeah. Come out of the yeah. lobby. That's come out of the lobby, down the stairs, and land on the street. Yeah, hundred percent. Whatever, I get it. They got two million people watching, and like JT said, these are not experts on on this sport. Like I know that technically this has been jumped before in a different kind of bike. Just it's a spectacle. You can't let the facts get in the way of a good story. Sometimes. Yeah, JT, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, I would. I think Metzger's 100% justified in that. Like, Metzger, that's huge. Back when, this was when mm-hmm. backflips were, backflips were super, you know, nothing back then, right? Yeah. So for him to go big uh, and do a backflip in yeah. that scenario, yeah. I, would, I would say something, too. I don't think you've got to be pissed about it, but he deserves a lot of credit. Like, he went big well, over fountains backflipping when backflips were still fairly new. Well, Robbie Knievel jumped it also. Like Robbie should be out there somewhere if he has access to a phone or, or anything. I don't know. But Oh, man, it was ugly. It was ugly when Robbie did it. Um, yeah, it, uh, it was something else, man. But it was cool. Yeah, it was. They kept saying we're breaking records. And I'm like, what record? And someone on Twitter said, jumping a V-twin. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right, that's like me saying I break the record for Monday night motocross internet shows. Like, 
I don't know. Whatever. Just keep saying records, I guess, over and over, and it'll happen. So um, that was cool. It was awesome. Good job for uh, for Travis. And uh, I mean, he went long on the last one too. One sixty, they said. Um, so he went pretty long on the last one. All right. Uh, is that it? Anything more on the on the uh, strong the jump, JT? Uh, no, I mean, it was overall it's a success. I think most people that, you know, they're never going to know about our Twitters or care what we think, they thought it was awesome. But I think the hardcore motocross fan was probably like, man, like, you know, I think deep down they were like, man, I, that looked pretty easy for him, you know. And whether that matters or not, probably doesn't. Who cares, right? But um, I just wanted I just wanted to oh, show how Yeah, we got it. We got it. You're, you, we got it. You want something gnarly. Okay. Um. All right, let's get into this. Uh, Redbud. Wow, things changed fast. Eli Tomac going to win on the way. Nice lead. Bike blows up. DNF. Bad gate pick for second moto. Bad start. Comes through. Gets to, like, I think eighth. Crashes. Comes up. Pulls in the mechanics area. The front brake problem. Crashes again. And, uh, wow, he is now, he's now like, uh, what, three points down, is it? Is it three? Yep. Yeah. I think I believe so. And, uh, I mean, he got ninth, he finished ninth in that second moto. If, if he's, I mean, I got to think, JT, that he was a bit rattled from that first moto DNF. Because the second moto, look, you're not going to get a great start. You're on the outside. But it can be done. We saw it get done with Forkner. Um, but but it just I I think that affected him. I think that really affected him. He just crashing twice and then having the fooling in the mechanics area and everything. Um, getting a ninth, I guess, is okay. But uh, that he kind of I think mentally I we'll never know for sure, and I don't and I don't know for sure. But I think that affected him. I think uh, last week too. You know, the second moto was eerily reminiscent of Redbud's second moto as well. You know, I think he he gets into this scenario where. He feels the pressure. You know, he crashed in the, the second motor style, but no big deal. I just think he was trying too hard. But then he goes in, and, and he's easily going to win the first moto, and his, his, we has a bike mechanical failure. So that raises the stakes as far as pressure. Now it's we're back to a pretty close point scenario. And then he gets, you know, he's mired in the pack, goes down, and I just think the, this pressure ramps up for him, and I think that forces him to basically press too hard. He, tr- he overrides yeah. the track. He, he really just you know, forces the issue when he really doesn't need to. Um, he just needs to take a deep breath and realize that, hey, I'm the fastest guy. I won all these races for a reason. But I just think his, he just lets things kind of escalate and get in spiral out of control, and then he, it just makes things worse, right? So I think that's three motos in a row where things have gone poorly. Some have been his fault. Some of them haven't. Uh, but I really think for him the biggest thing he can do at this point and in that situation moving forward is just calm down like just let it come to you because he doesn't have to go five seconds a lap faster than everybody just do your laps like just don't try so hard and i think everything will be okay we uh nothing can come easy for eli tomac that's just the motocross gods have declared that no no and look we've said eli's gonna eli on this show before and when we say that, that's usually like the he's riding just superhuman level and then tips over in a corner, and you're like, what? 
But this, you know, the bike problem, now that's like a whole other complication. And, I mean, this is clearly not his fault. And, yes, the second moto probably could have gone better. But, you know, the bad gate pick, it's you can hedge a little bit on that. You know, he ended up getting a ninth. It's not the worst thing in the world. Could he have gotten fourth or fifth? Look what Marvin Barsha did in the first moto. Could have done a little better. But this one is a little bit more out of his hands in general. Just bizarre. It can just never go easy. And... Sometimes it's him, you're like, what the heck happened? But this one is really not on him that much. This is just, I cannot believe he's not the points leader. I cannot believe it. He is not the points leader. <laughs> insane. Just insane. I mean, literally after Colorado, I was already hearing the Marv is overtrained. This is what Alden does. He's burned out. He's too skinny. He's done. I was hearing that after round three. And uh, now Marv is the points leader. It's, uh, I disagree a bit. We, you say it's not on him. I think that second moto, like, I think it. No, was no, it. I'm saying not totally on him. Oh, yes, oh. he should have done better in that second moto. He should be what? At the very worst, fifth. At the very worst, he should be fifth, not ninth. But I'm saying I got to respect that the majority of the points lost just came from his bike breaking while he yeah. was doing his job, which was leading the moto. Do any? I still think he wins this thing, Weege. Uh, yeah, I still think he's the best rider, but. Dude, I mean, how many times have we said this? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> He's been the best guy. JT, we could probably get a clip. We get, you got a Swizzcore on this, Mathis. We could probably have a rollout of JT saying he's the best guy. 172 times? Well, I've told the Cowie guys more than a few times, he should be going for his fourth title right now in, four, in, in two years. Yeah. It should be his fourth, yeah. title, his fourth title in, in two years. Um, so, so, down three points with five rounds to go, there's no way you can say, yeah, he's fine. You just never know. You just never know. Should he do it? Yes. He could win every single moto for the rest of the year, no problem. But who knows? But, JT, do you think he does it? I think he wins it, yes. Um, the crazy thing is, you know, this is so much of how Stu used to do it. You've, you've never seen such domination and then maybe not be the points leader. It's just unbelievable. Like, the way you look at this series as a whole, he's owned the series. There has been no doubt about who has been the best rider in this series, and yet here we find ourselves past the halfway point, and he's, he's not winning the series. It's pretty wild. I said this to a few times uh, on, on Saturday to a couple people. It's just we take it for granted how often these bikes stay together, how hard they're pushed, all the things that are going on in there. All the temperatures of the motor, temperatures outside, all of the physics and all the forces and everything else, we take it for granted. And then when one breaks, we're like, "Oh my God, it broke!" But man, it's 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 putting it's got some stress under it. So once again, another reminder that anything can happen at any time. I always say it sucks for the teams because motocross is like the worst combo. There's some things where it's just not a factor at all, like you don't even have a machine that can break, and it's just not a factor. I don't think it's skateboarding. The skateboard is considered a factor at all, uh, you know, reliability-wise. In most motorsports, like, things break a lot, and that's just you consider it the way it goes. But in motocross, the problem is it's possible to get so close to perfect that when this happens, it's like WTF. When you're right, it really shouldn't be. But we've seen enough... 24 motos, not, I don't mean perfect seasons, but I mean guys go through an entire season without a DNF, where it seems within the realm of possibility when it shouldn't. But somehow, it usually does work out pretty well. That It's not like bikes are breaking half of the field every weekend. No. Um, yeah, wow. Things, things really changed. 
Uh, great job. Yeah. Great job to Marv. That first moto ride, Marvin and Barsha in that first moto were amazing. Great rides for those guys. And uh, Marvin rode great in that second moto. It was a really, really cool battle there for a few laps between the three of them. Roxanne, Barsha, and Muscan, and Muscan came up on top. So, man, he was he was great, and it was good to see. It was not good to see that fan flipping off Marv. I wish we could shame yeah. that guy. I don't know if we if anybody knows that guy's name or if we could find that guy's name, but yeah, just stay. I think home. that was the goal. Our guy uh, Kyle Scott's the one that shot it, and yeah. he put it out there. I think hoping that someone would. Would identify him. I mean, it's just yep. disgusting. It's just, I and mean, we talked about it on the Pulp Show with Marv last week, and everything. It's just disgusting, you know. So, it is terrible, and it's wrong. Yeah, he shouldn't be flipped off. I mean, what is he supposed to do? Like, he moved here. He's trying his best he can. It's not like he's saying death to America or anything. He's just, he, yeah. He moved here and he's racing. It's not like he's said, "I'm here to win your titles and ruin your country." But just hear me out on this. Do you think a lot of this happens if it wasn't for Foxborough? Uh, no, of course not. Yeah, probably not. Yep. No, no way. Right. That's the strange thing about it. Like, they're taking it out of him because he's French, but the, him just being French was okay. The takeout on Eli at Foxborough changed everything. Yeah. Strange. Oh, absolutely. Not that, that, not that that's justified, but, yes, that's the right. reasoning. If you ask that guy, that's where it all stems from. I would, I would bet on that 100%. Has uh, Marvin ever been booed before Foxborough? I don't think so. Right. It's weird. Um, how it works. I mean, I, you know what? I was going to ask you if MX Sports can do anything or, or failed at their races. Like you, you can't though. You can't. You pay your money. I guess you can do that. You're not. You're on. You're not breaking any laws. You're on your side of the fence. No. And you know, I those just, people paid their money. Look at I go know. to a you know an, an Eagles football game. I mean, it's those people are ruthless. <laughs> oh yeah, you're never gonna you're never gonna be able to do anything about it. Yeah. yeah right. I wish we were better. Right. I wish we were better, but we're not. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. But. Uh, great job, Roxon won. Uh, first first win in a long time, and he said afterwards, "Hey, I got it given to me." And I I told him, "Like, listen, you've had a lot of things taken from you, so just get, take the win." Uh, it was good to see, really cool. Kenny Kenny seemed really happy, man, uh, to do that. Yeah, I think everybody's pretty happy for him too. I mean, uh, it's weird. It was only, what, uh, probably two years ago that Kenny was, the perception was bordering on cocky, and it was kind of like between him and Dungey, it was like, oh, which guy's your guy? Do you like the Dungey style? Do you like the Roxas style? He's been through so much now, all that's gone. I think pretty much everybody is pulling for him now. In the same way that everybody liked Marv, and then Marv had an incident, and now he doesn't have everybody on his side. It's, it's funny how you're really the same person the whole time, yep. but it can flip. I don't think anybody's rooting against Roxas now. Where maybe two years ago people were like, "I want to see Dungey shut him up." Yeah, it's funny how it all works. Yeah. Um, did Barsha do enough to get a this nation spot there? JT. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if it was just there. I think it's been all season. Um, for me, it's kind of a I don't want to say process of elimination because that's not fair. I just think if you look at who's available and what we're working with and the experience he has and what the season has looked like up to this point. Uh, I, I know he really takes that event seriously, and I think he would like to be a part of it. So when you take all those things into account, sitting here a month before this team has to be decided, I, I think, yeah, right now he's, he's leading the charge for that. You know, the, I think the one spot that is open is that, that open, quote-unquote, open spot. Uh, yeah. I think Barsha's got it right as of this moment anyway. What do you think, Weege? Yeah, and even talking to people all day, I uh, brought it up quite a bit and just got people's opinions on different team people and such. 
I feel like I was surprised, actually, the amount of people that felt it wasn't just – it's not the justified way to have Anderson on the couch all summer. Not his control, but it's the way it worked out. And then reward him still by putting him on the team. Um, I was surprised how many people are like, no, nah, you've got to reward the guy who's just out here racing every weekend. Yeah. Um, and well, the team's supposed to be picked at Unadilla, and Anderson's not going to be back before that. I'm kind of hearing some things that indicate to me that it's going to be tough for Anderson even to be at Unadilla anyway. So but I, I was surprised. I thought it'd be like everything else in the pits, 50-50, but yeah. I was shocked how many people are like, no, you've got to put Barks on the team. Here, yeah. He's riding every weekend. Yeah, but we sh- – okay, you must be talking to different people than I talk to because when I – Oh, really? Well, when I talk to people about it, a lot of people are like, Roger's going to get a KTM or Husky on there. Roger's going to make sure that – you know that brand's represented, so Anderson Anderson may get that spot, even though he doesn't doesn't really deserve it. I would pick Barsha, but Roger's going to go with Anderson. I did not talk to Roger himself, no, but I did talk to some people that are in similar positions as Roger KTM, and they were not endorsing the Anderson selection. Okay, all right, perfect. Yeah, yeah. yep. Um, yeah, I, I I agree. Um, Anderson really wanted to go but, and and all that, but what ha- what ahead. happens if? And it's a big if, obviously. Just playing devil's advocate. What happens if Baggett comes out and does really well between now and Unadilla? That gives Roger his KTM leverage that he wants. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But I, I, yeah. I, I don't see that happening, right? But yeah, but well, I don't know. I, I mean, I think Blake. I mean, his fastest qualifier. He's got to stay off the ground, and you know, uh, there he's got to stop making mistakes here and there. But. I'm just I'm just throwing options out there. If that is true, which I have no idea, I haven't talked to any, I haven't talked to Roger. Yeah, but that could be the one you know wrench in the in the equation there. Yeah. No. And let's talk about Baggett. Fastest in both practices. Grabs the whole shot. Leads the first, almost leads in one lap, and then cartwheels and gets up. Races through the pack for fifth. Great ride for that. Second moto gets another fifth. Like he's having a weird year, man. He is having a weird year and probably frustrating year. I know the team tested last week and they they had some new changes and they were happier with the bike and but what a weird year for Blake Baggett. Well, I get your guy L L Chupacabra yeah. to L Chupacabra. Right. Yeah, yeah, my guy. Um, I talked to Michael Byrne quite a bit on Friday about how it's going. It's always tough conversations to have because it's only the ridiculous standards we have in motocross. Just like I was saying about expecting that bikes shouldn't break. It's unfortunately considered realistic that they shouldn't break, but it probably shouldn't be. Well, if you're looking, if you're from any other sport and you see Baggett, you know, third, fourth, fifth in points throughout the year, it doesn't seem bad. But we all know better. You know, they want to win races. He expects to win races. Uh, he's 89 points behind or something like that. That's not where they want to be. So you kind of bring that up gingerly. Can't be like, why is he sucking? Oh, uh, maybe that's what I'm but, doing wrong. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's a funny thing. It's a funny game you play. They, meaning the team people, get mad at us, the media, for saying things like that. But they're the, they have the harshest standards of anyone. They're way worse. They know. They know if they're doing what they expect to do and not. They're their own harsh critics. So anyway, it hasn't been as good as it was last year. So yeah, Berner thought this week he was really starting to see some signs of last year, and they really pumped. Then he goes in and he's fast qualifier, and I'm like, okay, so this wasn't just hype. This seems to be reality. Uh but has he had one race where something has gone right for him on the first lap? It's either bad start or early crash. I mean, Glen Helen, he crashed early. High Point crashed early um, twice. Uh, here, twice. Like, yeah. Yeah. Look, I don't want to use that as an excuse. Like, he's, he has not been better than Tomac in any moto this year regardless. But, 
That was crazy. Uh, there's no reason yeah. why he can't be. I agree with you. But there's no reason yeah. why he can't be Marv Speed or Barsha Speed. To me, peak Blake Baggett. Right. Yeah. Right. I think, oh, and I think that's what I they think would he think. Is. Yeah. Yep. Well, yep. I don't think he is at JT because we haven't seen it yet. You know, we haven't. Well, I think he's peak Barsha Speed. I, I believe that. I, I mean, you can't, you can't hole shot and then flip over, you know, flip over the bars on the first lap. That's going to impede. No, your I progress, think you're agreeing. Think, Aren't you both agreeing on that? I, I just, believe you're both agreeing. Well, yeah, I think peak speed. He is as fast as Barsha. I, I, I don't think his results have been as good. You know, he's twenty or thirty points behind Barsha, but I, I think speed wise, he's right there. I mean, Steve, I, don't you agree? Well, yes and no. I mean, I think he can ride with Marvin. I, right. Maybe not this weekend, but generally speaking, I think he can ride with Marvin and Kenny right. and Barsha and all of them. Mm-hmm. But eventually, we're we are how many motos are we're fourteen motos in. Like they've beaten him a lot more than he's beat them. So that yeah, no, you know, I, I agree with you. I'm just saying, you know, there are. It's not like he's starting second and fading to sixth or fifth every no, time. He's no, crashing on the start. He's doing stupid stuff. That is his fault. It right? is he's very weird. In bad spots or crashing himself out. Yes. So yeah, I, I think at some point though, he will figure it out. Maybe not every single weekend. You know, there's a reason he's crashing. Whatever it's mental or he's just making mistakes or whatever. But at some point this season, you've got to think that he's not going to make that mistake. Yeah. Uh, and then I guess we'll see where we stand. Uh, Philip, Philip goes six six for fifth overall. And me being me, I'm taunting J-Bone after the race. Because that's what I do. And that's why nobody likes me, I guess. Um, I also J-Bone, though, did say he is, he is happy to have Phil off the team over there because he is simply tired of ask, answering questions about Phil from fans and media and everybody else. So he wishes him well. I'm sure all of that. But he is, he is happy he doesn't have to talk about Phil, Phil anymore. Huh? How, how, why again? Yeah, when that first happened, before Phil even rode. Oh, hang on. Hang on, sorry. Somebody's trying to watch Travis Pastrana videos as we speak. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, when it first happened, before he even rode for Husky, J-Bone did explain to me, he's like, this is great. Now at the end of the season, they can be the ones bar- uh, bothered with, are you going to re-sign him or are you bringing him back? What about Phil? We don't have to deal with that. Because they knew no matter what, it was coming with Phil. It was whether... Yeah, he was out at round six. Whether he was out at round twelve, at some point they were going to deal with the tide of what about Phil? So he was very happy, and another team now has to deal with that. Yeah, it's like what about Bob? It's like what about Phil? What about Phil? Right. Yep. So I want to see you march over there, Sahada Anderson, yep, Purcell, and all the other guys, the <laughs> alumnus of the Marty. Rockstar Husky team, Marty, Marty, Marty. yeah, and then ask him about Phil. Uh but good job for Phil. Six six, fifth overall. You can start. Yeah. yeah, you can always start. Uh, Justin Hill, fourth place. Um, there was Javon was saying that he was on the fence even about riding, you know, because of his because yep. of his arm. So good job that he did. Ten four on the I deck. I feel like you really needed need a little, little moto. Eat a little crow on that. Justin Hill. Oh, yeah. Sorry, we have to eat a little crow. I said that he. There's no way he was going to go six four, uh, like he did at Mount Morris, and he didn't. But he got fourth and second moto. So great ride yep. for him. Yeah, he really needed that because how many times do you see guys switch teams or switch classes or show up from injury and stuff, and, like, the first race or two they're fired up and things go great, and then you're thinking, oh, well, then give them a few more weeks to get acclimated. It's going to get better. And actually, it usually works the opposite for whatever reason, and it was exactly what was happening with him. So I think he needed this to prove that that one good day at High Point wasn't just, I'm fired up today because I'm on a 450 and the rest are going to be bad. 
Webb goes seven seven, so a little better than Southwick, which is kind of what we thought. A little bit mm-hmm. better for Webb. Good job, Kyle Cunningham, eighth overall. Nice job for Cunningham. We just never really talk about him that much, but mm-hmm. eighth overall is good. Uh, Jake Nichols comes over from Great Britain. JT should probably eat a little crow on that one too. You weren't exactly uh, predicting big things for Jake when I when I said he would be, be between eight and twelve. What were his moto scores? Nine thirteen. Okay, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I thought it would be somewhere between ten and fifteen. I didn't think. Uh, I didn't. Thirteen is is about where I expected. So ninth is uh, ahead of the curve. So great. I mean, great job. He was solid all day. Um, I did think he looked a little bit tired in second moto. They were. Uh, they were lapping him at the end. He looked pretty, pretty beat. Um, but nine thirteen is not a bad day for sure. Yeah, he Solid, had, uh, you know. And he got that with a crash too. He crashed uh, in in the middle of the moto. So, uh, yeah. I yeah. think I think he's done enough to get on the the Great Britain team for real. It's like they kind of told him, you know, he needs to come here and race, and he wanted to anyways. And but you look at Sean Simpson's having a poopy year. Dean Wilson's hurt. Uh, Searles no. just so so. You can't. No. What? I don't. I don't. I don't agree with you. I didn't even finish all the options, but okay. Wh- wh- who do you got? Watson in the uh, 250s. Okay. Watson's, Watson's uh, really good, yeah. in my opinion. He's yeah, really course. fast. He should be 250 guy. Yeah. If if Tommy Searle continues to do pretty well, which he's been back inside the top 10 in MXGP class lately, uh, uh, I think well, you need to put Tommy on the team. He's, he's a veteran of it. He's done it a million times. You, you know, he's a, Nichols he's has been, been on the team, too. Tommy's been on the team several times, so if you want to compare motocross okay. nation experiences between Nichols and Cyril, you're going to lose. Tommy, good job, but Tommy, I, getting inside the top ten when there were 15 guys going off the line in, in Indonesia. Great job, Tommy. That's the wrong class. Congrats. That's the wrong class, but okay. okay. You're talking about a different class. How many guys were lined up for 450s? 22. Okay, great job. Great job. You got inside the top ten, 22 guys. Go look, with, go with look five at the wild results, cards. Steve. Go look at the results column of see who we beat and then come back to me. Um, but yeah, I don't, I'm not saying it's who, who's your third guy possible. Who's your third guy? Uh, who, who else, who are your options since I cut you off from, from listing? Them? Uh, Anstey Simpson. Oh, uh, Anstey's a shoe in. Anstey's an easy one. Oh, okay. He went one, one, Steve one, one last year. I, I don't know where that guy is in 2018 in the mud. He got he a went one, one. three weeks ago. Yeah. Okay. I know what you're saying. I'm not saying he's impossible to be on the team, but to say he's earned it, earned a spot at this point, I think I don't. I don't know that you can you can win that argument the, just the, yet. The Tommy Searle pick is insane. It's insane. It's an insane man on the other end of this phone call right now. Mm, Searle's been hurt most of the season. He's been back maybe a month now, and he's had several top ten results. So I would disagree. I would disagree. Okay. Um. Bloss, third place, Moto 1. Benny Bloss. Nice job, Benny. In second moto, he was following Blake through the pack. He was about seventh maybe when he went down, I think, seventh or eighth in the second moto. So he probably would have ended up around there. Probably had a three, seven day going until, unfortunately, uh, the Rocky Mountain KTM team had some sort of bear trap. that He went down in the, close to the same section that Baggett did, or pretty much in the same spot. So... Damn. Good job for Benji, though, Wygant. Yeah, I've said it uh, several weeks in a row now, even going to the end of Supercross. Uh, I think he's riding better than people realize. I know the field is depleted, but he's definitely way faster uh, than he's been. And that also, again, end of Supercross, he was showing that, too. So 
this is going to be a tough scenario for him because from what I hear from your interviews with him, there's not a guarantee spot for him over there next year, even though he is doing well. So yeah, uh, selling himself as a free agent, that'll be really interesting because I think he's, again, better than maybe some people are realizing. Mm-hmm. We'll see. Um, yeah, great job for Benny. Fly Racing Zone, ben, uh, Benny Bloss. Mm-hmm. Um, Tomita did well. Pulp Mix Fantasy also killed it for that. Henry Miller did well. Cody Cooper did well. Uh, Bogle did not, JT, do well. Uh, we saw last week didn't go okay. And again this week, he did pull the whole shot in the second moto. Did you, either of you guys, talk to Bogle this weekend? I know you did after Southwick, but this uh, I, weekend? I did not. No, I didn't. And I, I don't know what's going on with that guy. Um, he can't think this is, like, just part of the process, right? Like, it's not... He's, he's better than this. I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, it, we all know this field is not as deep as we have seen in years past, and he just can't seem to to stay up there. And, and we're, I think we're two months into him riding, to be back riding. So, I mean, at two months, man, you're we're not going to say you're 100% because that's not fair, but you shouldn't be fading to yeah. as far back as he is, in my opinion. Um, I don't have a lot of information. That's just from the outside, but – I think we would all be lying if we said we didn't expect more from him at this point. Weeja, I'm with JT. Like, you can't be getting beat by these guys if you're Justin Bogle. Uh, you've got to be 10, 11, 12 in my mind if you're Bogle coming. I know you're injured. I know it's been a long road. You, you just got, you got to be better. I'm sorry. Yeah, because of that deep field deal or lack of deep field, that's really what, what makes it telling. Uh, and what you're not like he had the same injury as Cooper Webb, but Webb doing seven seven or getting eight nine, what he's basically been doing, that's that's fine. No one's gonna bag on him for that. I know it's not the same injury, but that is a huge difference between Webb coming back yeah. and him. Yep. And that's the thing. I agree. You gotta be somewhere near uh the top ten. Um yeah, tough deal, man. When you're when you've won a national, you know, ten months ago and, and now you're dealing with this uh for for, for, for Bogle. Um do either one of you have a problem with the social media outcry of guys getting denied entries to Redbud because they didn't enter they didn't enter soon enough? I, I don't. I just they cap it for a reason. Manageable numbers and you didn't get your entry in time, guys. That's that's what I think. I don't know. Look, if there's one topic that everyone agrees on, if if anyone even gets the small scent, even a one percent, even a drop of blood, that there is something that might be not good for a privateer. It's over. It's done. Just stick dynamite in that argument. So I'm not surprised there's an outcry. I'm not even going to try to argue against it because you can't. I, I say being anti-privateer is motocross racism. You'll never be on the right side of that argument. So, yes, anything that ever is bad for any privateer rider ever is horrible and awful and needs to be fixed ASAP. There you go, everybody. <laughs> Great job, Wygant. Way, way to back. Well, dude, you know that's where it's coming from. It's it's the true. There will no, always no. be an well, unbelievable amount of sympathy for the privateers. So yes, there's a deadline to get your entries in. You don't get them in. It doesn't matter. Let them race. They're privateers. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah. But you must say. I, I I've seen it on my Twitter. I'm just like, yeah, enter sooner. Get in sooner. That's how you. That's how you get an entry in. Right. So I don't know. And if Which that were true. the case, it's just yes. If that were the case with the factory rider, people would agree with that argument. But right. you can't do that to Stank Dog. <laughs> uh, JT, yeah. thoughts? No, I was going to say, which is all true. You just can't say that. Yeah. Or I'm yes. not willing to say that. Right. Uh, yes. Hey, yes. Heath, Heath Harrison got two good starts. Good job for Heath Harrison. He One did. good moto, too. He did. Yeah, dude. Top three. 
don't know what was going on, but keep that up, Heath Harrison. So, um, all right, thanks to uh, Fly Racing uh, for making this podcast happen. Alpine Stars, Maxis as well. We're going to go to commercial. Anything else on 450, boys? I guess I should have said that first. Anything else on 450s? Did the first moto not just add to your theory of it is ridiculous how quickly these guys can move up if they go down in the first turn in this field? Yeah. It's just yeah. every weekend. I'm like, Marvin Ninth, what? Oh, I know. I know. Well, the, the Muddy <laughs> Creek thing, I remember the Muddy Creek. I was just like, oh, my God, he's like 10th. Two laps later, like I'm scanning 1816 range to look for Marv. And yeah, he, he was in the top ten already. It's phenomenal. I yeah. think it. I think that uh, coupled with uh, with Webb, the Barsha Muscan comebacks, the Baggett comeback in Mount Morris, and Webb's decent return have all they've been so brutal for Bogle. Like they have been really, really yeah. Uh, you know, strikes against Bogle just because he hasn't been able to do anything like that, you know, and, and he's getting the start on top of it, which even highlights it, you know, yeah. more for everyone. It's Absolutely. It's been a tough go so far. Well, thanks to Fly Racing, Alpine Stars, and Maxis, and uh, please support those companies. Listen to this commercial from Racetech. Save, save yourself some money with the folks at Racetech who did the suspension on Travis Pastrana's Indian. I don't know if you guys saw that or not, but Racetech did it. Yeah. So, uh, wow. And, uh, and we'll be right back to talk some 250 class from Redbud. Race tech suspension and engines, people. Pulp MX 18 is the code to save. Breaking through the limitations of OEM designs, Race tech specializing in high performance suspension, parts, service, and setups, modifying stock suspension components to perform at the highest level. Discover why more top privateers trust Race tech, guys like the HEP Suzuki team, and many more in the pits use Race tech for their suspension and engines mods. Pulp MX 18, you can save using the code. Please check them out, racetech.com. Do it. Maxxis Tires. From your bike to your truck and almost everything with wheels in between, Maxxis Tires will have you hooking up, pulling the whole shot, and beating your competition. One of the world's most trusted tire brands, Maxxis delivers high-quality tire products that perform no matter what the terrain or conditions. If you don't believe me, just ask the king, Jeremy McGrath. Welcome back, everybody. Fly Racing Racer X Podcast, Red Bud Review. Let's talk 250s now. And I guess let's start with the Plessinger Forkner thing uh, incident right now. Um, people want to talk about it. We we're getting some threatening uh, tweets about uh, people getting very upset at Plessinger. There was absolutely nothing wrong with uh, the move that Plessinger and Forkner, when they came together and left Forkner on the ground. And I don't even know why, if you're Forkner, you had just finished passing Plessinger, why you would take the outside in that turn, JT. Yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. Um I thought that Forkner kind of started it, right? When he comes down that hill into that left-hand kind of shaded berm there, he definitely committed. And honestly, it it was uh, exactly what Forkner should have done in the following turn. You know, once once Forkner committed the first time, Plessinger checked up. He's like, okay, well, he's got the line. If I if I force it here, I'm gonna I'm gonna end up on the ground because he's gonna, just gonna bury me in this outside berm. And then flash forward two turns, and the exact same scenario is reversed. And instead of just conceding and living to fight another day, Forkner didn't check up. And yeah, that's kind of what happened. So it yeah. was kind of a tale of two tale of two halves there, as far as 
sometimes you just got to back out of it and give the guy the line. Like, he's, he's yeah. there, and you're not going to be able to do anything about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, right? I mean, uh, I'm surp- I, you know what? For his part, he handled it cool, you know, uh, afterwards. Forkner did. I thought anyways, why again? Yeah, we talked about this last week, and this week didn't help, but there's definitely some, as you had said, people not liking Forkner in the pits or not liking the way he carries himself. But with both the Amart incident and this, he's had every opportunity to talk trash on those guys, and he didn't do it. When we interviewed him on TV both times, and he had three questions, I think, to say he was mad at Amart last week and two to say he was mad at Plessinger this week. He never did it. He was bummed, obviously, to not win when he could have won, but he never called those guys out. So, yeah. yeah, I don't think he was a jerk about it at all. I just, you, I mean, it's racing 101. You just pass the guy, and you know where he's going to go on the inside. Take the inside that next turn. Don't leave the door open. You're not that far ahead, right? Like, Well, I, yeah. I think, you know, going to the outside is not the end of the world. But when you, once you see Plessinger is coming up the inside, and it's whether you can see it or whether you feel it, quote-unquote feel it, you know, uh, there's always an innate feel of a guy that's making a move up the inside, whether you can hear it or see it or just you just know the presence is there. You've got to have the presence of mind to either hit the brakes or cut back, as, yeah. as David Billman tweeted, you know, cut cut back down underneath him. You can't just go. You're running out of room, right? And the guy on the inside is going to control that. Um, so, yeah, it was unfortunate. I'm glad Forkner's okay. But, you know, just like a few other times we've seen this year, I think it's something, uh, just another lesson he's going to learn as he continues his journey and gains more experience. Sometimes you can't, you know, you can't let pride get in the way. You just got to say, okay, he's got it. I'll get him in the next corner. Plessinger went 1-1. He's had three moto, three race wins on the year where he has gone 1-1, and the other motos have been not as good. It's bizarre season a little bit, uh, Wygant, but, you know, this might be – this might be the race that flips this season, I think. It's only not bizarre because that's pretty much the way it's always been with Plessinger, where one week he's the best rider, and then the next week you're like, where's that guy? And then just when you're starting to doubt him, he does this again. I mean, honestly, this is the best example. This is Plessinger being Plessinger. Three one ones and four somewhat okay races. Not terrible, not DNF, not crashing out, but that's almost what makes it more puzzling. It would almost make more sense if Plessinger was killing guys one week and crashing out the other. Yeah. But instead, he's like fifth fastest one week and fastest the other, which is even more bizarre. Yep. Uh, but the big difference this year is the way it's come together now, I think you knew that Osborne and Jmart were going to be super consistent, and it was going to be hard for, them to, for him to beat them with that inconsistency, but they're gone. Everybody else is even less consistent than him. It's really shaping up well for him. He was able to escape those four subpar motos, it didn't really affect him that much. Um, another guy in the class, second in points, I don't know if you're aware of that, had his chances to take advantage and didn't. I don't think J. Martyr Osborne would have given him those chances, but they're gone. Yeah, I think uh, this was a great ride for Aaron, and uh, this might be going into Millville, of course, where Alex Martin will be very good, but, man, this is uh, similar dirt to Millville, similar kind of track to Millville, and, uh, yeah, I, I just think, JT, this might be – I'm not giving up hope. Troll train still on board, still trucking down the tracks, but uh, this might have done it. Amart needed to, to make a statement here. Well, I think if Tomac's taught us anything, it's that nothing is over until, you know, it's, it's done. So I'm not ready to concede anything, even on guys further behind Amart. I just, this 250 class has just been too crazy for me to to just say it's it's done or the tide has turned. But on the other hand, um, I, I really felt that Redbud and Millville, and I had data to prove it, these were AMAR tracks. These were the two races in a row 
where I felt he could really turn this around and cut the, the lead back to zero, hopefully, or even put himself in a red plate. Going back to Plessinger's previous races, I uh, went back and looked at 2016 and 2017, and I think it was something like 6, 10, 10, 11 for the last four motos for Plessinger at Redbud specifically. Which ha- So it hasn't gone all that well. And if you're Amart, you're looking at, okay, I've done well. I've been on the podium the last two years here. I should be able to get some points back, and this should be a, a great opportunity. And then I'm going into Millville to back mm-hmm. that up, my home track, literally, where I'm hoping to win, and then, you know, the tide can completely flip here. Unfortunately, that's not how it went at all. Uh, Plessinger stepped up to the plate when he needed to most, and, yeah, we saw what happened. He went 1-1 and, and you know, kind of put a, a stamp on it doing it. So, um, yeah, I'm not – like I said at the beginning, I'm not ready to say this is over, but at the same time, Dan, that was a, that yeah, was a no. really clutch ride by Plessinger. Yeah, both motos. He led every lap. Grab, um, led every lap, uh, didn't hold shot either motor, but came pretty close. Uh, you know, yeah. I think it's, it's great. I it's just great think ride. there's, there's something serious to be said about when everyone's pointing at the other guy saying, this is his weekend to shine. This is the track he should do well at. And you come out and you dominate. I think that's even more than the points, more than anything else. I think mentally and subliminally, there's a huge message being sent there. And you're 180 pounds on a, on a jump the leap every lap. On your bike, like yeah. great job by that guy and the team and everything. So, um, yep, yeah, Amart, um, not a bad day. Four three, second overall. You know, like a lot of guys would take that, but he didn't. He couldn't let Forkner get him in that second moto, and he did. And first moto, he never quite got it going. He tipped over even in a turn to continue his mystifying crashes. So, um, good well, day for Amart, but not great. You know. In a standard 250 series where kind of what we've seen this year where guys are crashing out and getting hurt and and bikes are blowing up and all kinds of stuff, 4-3 is pretty good. Like if Amart would have killed for a 4-3 at, uh, you know, Muddy Creek um, and then at Southwick, right? He would have, or or before then, I just feel like with those crashes, especially Muddy Creek, obviously, he would have killed for a 4-3. Yeah, high point, excuse me. Um, so you look at that and you're like, yeah, that's pretty good. That's the kind of day you need. Unfortunately, his rival just crushed it, right? That's, yep. that's the big difference. And in a typical series in prior years, like Osborne, that's what Osborne would do to people. He would just go out and put one ones up on the board and you put a four three and you lose, you know, uh, double digit points. So it's, it's really, really tough on guys and puts an immense amount of pressure. If you're the points leader and you go one, one, um, I'll go back to, uh, 2009, Chad Reed, the only outdoor championship he's ever won. Uh, he the day, he only went one one a couple times that year. I know Mount Morris was one of those times. It's the first time in his career he'd ever went one one. And I just remember leaving there and him being like, "That's that hurts those guys so bad because you just put all the all the pressure on those guys to perform. They can't have any bad motos. When you put a fifty on the board, man, that's that that can completely eliminate one bad moto and just take it right out of the out of the equation. So. Um, yeah, like I said from the beginning, that's, that was a huge day for Plessinger, especially on a day where we all were kind of looking for Amart to make up some points. What really hurt hurt Chad that year, or didn't hurt Chad that year, was when Michael Essie went sliding into a fence post on press day or whatever. Yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> and, and that you know, there, there's always that stuff. I mean, do um, getting hurt in in the uh, yeah the OH Supercross Championship and whatever. But you know, you got to be out there to win it. Osborne and, and J Mart and these guys would make that same argument for this this outdoor championship, right? So there's always going to be that. But at the end of the year, when if you're winning the title, you look back and and there are crucial days on both sides. 
uh, I think that uh, that Redbud would be a crucial day if, if he does end up win- winning this. Uh, Wygant, holy shit, it just continues to rain on Joey Savacci. Like, it just keeps happening. It's It's got to be, he's got to be on suicide watch at this point, right? Like, he is, he is, uh, let me see here, he is, uh, one, two, he's four laps away from grabbing a second place in Moto1 and just eats it. Like, I don't There's at least three, um, at least three times this year. I mean, it's almost the exact same clip where all of a sudden uh, he cartwheels and then we go to him with a shot of him slowly picking himself up. Dude, he's tough as nails because these crashes have been gnarly and he keeps getting back up. And uh, in this case, he even comes back and does well in the next moto. But the bike is just completely pretzeled. And then we go back and we find the replay and you're like, oh, I believe it happened at uh, High Point. Yeah. Happened at Southwick and then happened here, like these yard sales. Now I'm really starting to think, look, man, remember he had those weird crashes in Supercross last year. They weren't big ones. Yeah. They were tip-overs, but they were costly. But now you're going on, you know, 18 months of what the heck? Why are these mistakes happening, big or small? Um, this is just one of the most puzzling things ever. You just Usually in the 250 class, the guys keep getting a little better each year, right? They keep yeah. improving. That's what that class is all about. 2016 was the best he ever was outdoors, and he's actually regressed a little bit just because of the crashes, and yeah. I don't get it. And then really adding to the comedy. So as you guys know, we had seen Cerullo in the booth. Yeah. And then it was like, here, we're going to watch you watch your teammates be, like, executed on live television. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was so good. Yeah. Live mic, Forkner crashes out with the Plessinger situation, and then just when it wasn't bad enough, three laps later, yeah. oh, Savachi's down. Oh. And then uh, yeah. uh, Marchbanks even, he had a good finish in there, but then Marchbanks did right after Savachi also tip over. And, and Marchbanks hurt his something, right, in the second moto, like leg or he didn't finish. Like he hurt again? Yeah, he didn't finish second moto. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Believable. Um, yeah, Peyton's got to be just wondering what the hell is going on right now um, with everything, everything and everybody, right? Like, You know, this is not the first time we've told this story of lean years for Pro Circuit, but I feel like this is different because there were a couple years where they weren't as good as they used to be, but it was like other teams had gotten the drop on them with the getting the right amateurs and all that. You look at the lineup they have now and the bikes and the team and the structure – there isn't a reason that they should be doing this bad. I mean, you could argue that their lineup is as strong as any team in the class. It just isn't yeah. working. But yeah. Before, it was. remember all the talk of they don't sign the right amateurs at the right time, they need to change their structure. I feel like they've done that. It's not working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how about uh, Savachi crashing in Moto1? And Josh Grant liked the tweet on RaceRex that said he crashed. Yeah. I didn't realize the significance there until today when you reminded me of it. Yes, yes. Uh, Joey yes. will be moving over to Cowie next year to uh, to take that spot, and I guess Josh isn't uh, isn't really in favor of that. And then he liked the, <laughs> he liked the tweet that said Savachi down, which I think is kind of brutal, not very classy, but uh, yeah, that's where we're at, everybody. I think well, JG's, uh, you know, had a, JG's done that before. That's kind of JG's mo. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't think it's cool, but whatever. I mean, it, it, he can do what he wants, but, you know. I mean, it, I think the uh, the funniest part of all of it, and, and certainly wasn't funny for Joey cause, and, or me because he was on my Pulp MX Fantasy team, and that hurt a lot in the first moto. 
But we made, <laughs> I made mention of this last week. It seems like every week you guys will be talking about something else and then we'll flash back to Joey picking his bike up and, and trying to get going, seemingly for multiple minutes trying to get going. Yeah. Every That's what I'm single week. It's like the same clip. Are, yeah. Yep. Yep. You guys just flash in. Sabachi's down! Every <laughs> week. Totally. I, I, had, uh, yes. I had a bunch of... I had a bunch of tweets to me this week because we made mention of it last week, and I was just like, I, I was already too pissed off because he was on my team to really find the humor in it. But now, a couple of days removed, I think it's pretty funny. I uh, Osho was there, Johnny O'Mary's working with Joey, and I had a brief conversation with him after Joey went down. I'm like, dude, when it rains, it pours. Like, what else? And he's just like, I know, I know, man. He's like, it's just, it's, it's, God, he goes, he was so frustrated. Osho was, you know. So, um, God, but watching, God, watching him. He had so many close calls leading up to that. You were almost like, when is, when's the pen going to get pulled here? Because, man, I know, Weed, you were obviously commentating as you were watching it and you were seeing what I was seeing, but he was all over the place. I mean, he was kicking side to side and missing ruts, and I was like, man, you've got – you can't – I know you were trying to ride on the edge, and I know that's where the pace is, but you can't, you can't do this for 35 minutes without it biting you. I just knew it was coming. And second moto, he held it together, but you almost you just knew it was a ticking time bomb in that first one. Uh, Sexton came from dead last to uh, oh eleventh in the first moto. Good ride, good ride by him. And the second moto got sixth, I think. Uh, yeah, sixth in the second moto for Sexton. McElrath led a couple laps in the opening moto. So yeah, uh, it's interesting to see Shane do that again, building on some confidence. Dylan Ferrandez, very good late in the motos. Very much in shape. DV was reminding me. Hashtag Apollo Factory, he was calling it. So, um. It was interesting. Um, I mentioned this in the, the uh, press conference because Villaman is always, and I have super amount of respect for this, always saying that the starts are overrated. Everybody talks too much about the starts. You just have to ride better. And then he doubled down. Or in DV fashion, it's probably tripled down. I don't think he even ever doubles. He's full triples down at any point he wants to make. And what did he say in his column on your site last week? I will never use starts as an excuse. Ride better yeah. if you get a bad start. Yeah, Catch everybody. And then uh, I put Ferrandis in that sandwich in the press conference because yeah. he immediately said, I need to get better starts. I'm like, well, your coach said you can't use that as an excuse. Yeah. And he's like, I know, but maybe just start 10th. Yeah. 10th is okay. I can't start 20th. Yeah. Yeah. DV. Was he known as a terrible starter? Like, I mean, these starts are atrocious. Uh, yeah, I mean, on that bike, he should be better, for sure. You know, but they, yeah. yeah, I've been working out. Um, he and Sexton, by the way, the second moto, they had, I mean, it was probably 20 minutes. Yeah. Just all over each yeah. other. Sex, he did beat Sexton, but either either way, they both rode I'm really, both strong. I'm really glad that Racer X is clipping that, uh, that Alex Martin comment about me when I asked him that question, you know, using it. Well, I mean, for, you, for their, you, went in, you went in for it. You brought it on yourself. Uh, whatever. I'm glad my employer is using it. That's a, that's great. Uh, where's HR? Do, do we have a number for HR in Morgantown? Look, this is, uh, this is what this is what Belichick likes to do. He likes to slay. The media is going to play those games. Right. Amart's going to play them right back. <laughs> Amart should have said, "We're on to Millville." Just kept going. Yeah. We're on to Millville. Um, JT Mathis goes right after him and basically said, "He says you only jump the Rockos leap four times." Do you know it's usually faster to jump the jumps than to not jump them? That's what he does. That's what he does to his guy. It's yeah. clear. He's, this, you're heartbroken over this. This is clear. Uh, now you're taking it out on him. No, I'm, I'm flip. I'm a glass case emotion with with Alex Martin right now. I really yeah. am. Yes. 
It's, well, it's like your, I think it's the same as like your dad when, you know, for me, I was obviously super close to that. My dad was my mechanic for a long time, but he, he's the most brutal and the most critical, but you know, he cares the most, right? So you kind of let it go. Okay. You get both sides. Well, Amar didn't really let it go. He just said I was the worst reporter in the sport. <laughs> I've said, I've said much worse things to my dad than that. Yeah. Okay. I guess. Um, but supposedly even the local reporter from wherever, from South Bend or whatever that was there. Uh, who knows nothing about him or you or this relationship or anything? Mm-hmm. Uh, they told me even she was laughing. Oh, really? Exchange. Oh, wow. Okay. Because right. he ended it with "suck it, Steve." Yeah, he no, did. Amar ended his rant. Yeah, yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> I mean, honestly, he said he told he texted me yesterday, and uh, we're going to split the difference. He said he jumped it at least nine times. I said four. It looks upon further investigation, he jumped it six times. So we neither one of us were quite right, but. I mean, but you know what? Think, it was costing think, him. It was. I think Steve is only mad because days like Saturday make Steve look bad. That's it. That's the only reason he's mad, because he has to take the, the brunt of the abuse on the troll train. He, Amar told me, before I hit record, we were talking uh, in my post-race podcast, Amar, it's like, I'm well aware I'm blowing this. <laughs> so, in his typical satire's way. Like, he knows. He knows. So... We'll, we'll no, put, man, you're blowing it. I say this every week. No, on here. I know. I know you, your theory. I know. Yeah. You, ha- you, you have won. If you had stuck with the original point over yep. people need to realize this dude's a contender, that's long since been proven. He's absolutely positively a contender. He could win any moto, any race, every weekend, and he's second in points. There's not much more you can ask if your point is he is a contender. But you have, for some reason, decided that contending is not enough. Nope. It's title or bust. Choo-choo. They made a pass fail. Choo-choo! Well, JT, you will not be getting a Troll Train t-shirt, so just don't worry about that. You will not be getting one. (laughs) Don't take it out on me. Uh, No, you're not getting one. Nope. You think you would pull for the shorter stature underdog rider, but nope, you have not been there. I pull for him all the time. I think Alex is awesome. He is a true, genuine uh, feel-good story in this sport. Like, no doubt about that. I just... The only thing I've ever said is I don't think he's going to win this title. That's it. If if that makes me the bad guy, then I guess so be it. But I don't feel, yep. feel that way. Yep, it does. <laughs> uh, I have no doubt that you would take that side. RJ Hampshire, second place. What did uh, What did he tell the Geico team afterwards? Why can't uh, Hampshire? Yeah, second place. Well, yeah, he. Um, I mean, I'm just looking at the press release. The team has not put out yet, but I somehow have it. Oh, okay. Um, That's odd. Yeah, I just um, I got like an advanced copy, right? Like an advanced screening of a movie. Yeah, so uh, he's lucky. Basically, he he told me I texted him after the race, and he's like, "I'm alive, and that's about it." So nothing's broken. A lot of stitches, okay. super jacked up. We had footage of him sitting on a tough block, like three motos, three laps into the moto. I'm like, "Oh, he's done." Yeah, but uh, that's just the way this season has gone for every single person in the 250 class. You do well. You have a good moto. He had two podiums in a row. The hand of God is coming for you if yeah. you think you're going to get anything good going in this series. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right, before we wrap up, uh, AC was great in the booth. I'm taking it. He was, he was there for the practice show. He was uh, worried about his wardrobe. Yeah, yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, and I really stressed that he, he put you know, a thank you Instagram out, and instead of the usual cocky message that I usually would give with him, I tried to be straight up. I respected that he – he was 100% there to do TV and not as like a prima donna. Like he came to all our Friday meetings. He asked me during the week what he should wear. Yeah. Um, he 
attended rehearsals. He stayed in and had lunch with us. He didn't go over to his team truck to hang out with his buddies. Like, he wanted to take it seriously. And you could also tell that he wanted to give real information and not just be generic and cliche. Yeah, think about how um, many guys just mail it in, right? Like, that, yeah, yeah, you summed it up best. He didn't take it for granted. And I think most of the people I've worked with, even if they do a good job, they just roll in two minutes for the moto and roll out two minutes after. Even if they've done well, he really tried hard. So that's the part I respect. Yeah. What do you think, JT? Yeah, I thought he was good. You know, <laughs> you could tell some of the stuff, and I only know this because I just been fresh out of the booth at that MXGP, but some of the spots there, you don't know when to talk and when not to talk. And, and there's so much going on behind the scenes um, that our you know, producers are talking into your, your headset about uh, pauses and they've got to do the local stuff. And, and there's just so much going on that you don't hear when you're sitting at home. So you kind of tell Adam was, was not sure when and how long to talk at times, but, I think the the most critical aspect and what he's there to do is share insight and share real information that most people won't know. And even a guy like Weege wouldn't know necessarily because he's, he hasn't been out there and done the things that Adam's done, right? So that's where Adam can come in. And I thought he did a great job. Very, very impressed. Yep, of course, right? Yeah, I agree. Yep. Good. Um, all right, to wrap up, word of the day for Millville. Do we have anything? I'm springing it on us a little bit, but. Well, speaking of word of the day and Santorillo. Yeah. He did it. Yeah, he did it. Yeah, yeah. If you're not gonna, if you're not gonna take this seriously, well, again, we'll stop doing it. Uh, I thought it was so much better even having him on the act. Well, yeah, but just get it done. Don't just throw it in at the very end. Well, yeah, we we didn't exactly execute. We had a plan coming in. We didn't. We I think both forgot the plan. Ridiculous. And uh, we were put in a tough corner there. Um. All right, JT, you got anything? Um, I came up with last week's. So I had coconut milk, so I'm gonna leave it to you two. All right, you gotta go, JT, or what? You want to let us go? You want you want us? Yeah, to I gotta go? I gotta jump on an airplane here. All right, see you, buddy. Thanks. All right, guys. See All right. See ya. Jason Thomas, everybody from Fly Racing. Um, well, we we know how much you love Star Wars. Oh yes, big I mean, fan. You are a huge fan. Can we maybe? I only wish when they would the last one come out in like 1981. I wish they had come out with more. They never did, right? <laughs> yeah, no, they haven't really milked that much. Okay, I don't pay much attention. Yeah, I don't really know. No, we haven't. We haven't. We haven't, we haven't talked very much. Uh, we got a, We got somebody via email suggest a few names. Um, oh, uh, Tauntaun. Can you? Do you think you can get Tauntaun in? Uh, I think I'm gonna have to look that one up. I've never heard this word. It's an. It's a creature in Empire Strikes Back. Okay, no wonder I haven't heard of it. All right, fine. Yeah, Tauntaun? Tauntaun. Right. Tauntaun. Fantastic. I'm just, as long as it's not some sexual innuendo no. I'm not aware of. No, no, it isn't. Like a donkey punch. No, yeah, no, it's not. It's not. Uh, so, yeah, we can do that one. Okay. Donkey punch was like red alert, red alert. Like my Twitter was blowing up. Don't do it. No, you don't understand. Don't do it. it. No, listen, I stand by that. Those people are, have disgusting sick minds is what, is what that means. <laughs> because, yeah, it's... It's not really that, you know. I mean, you can use it that way, but that's not what I meant. It is legitimately a type of MMA punch, I believe. Or I have mad love for the fans out there because I'm fully aware in the position I'm in. Social media should be used to, like, skewer me and, like, gut me in front of the public. I very rarely get heat on social media. And the fact that in a time of need, the people on social media came to my aid. Not, yeah. Like, don't do it. You're going to get fired. I don't want that to happen. Right. 
I will never forget that gesture. So, fans, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very much. All right. Mm-hmm. All right, Tauntaun is it. Uh, anything else, 250 class? Sipes did well, by the way. Jumped on the factory bike. Jordan Bailey was good again, I thought. Mitchell Harrison backed up his best ever finish last year with a, with a, with a good start and got, got eighth. So, yep. good job for that. Yep. Uh, I, yeah, I made the joke over there. This might be something we can do. If you took a team photo uh, when they won the Supercross titles in Vegas and took a team photo now, it's not even the same team. Is there any – who's left? Who's – did Harrison race Vegas? Um, yeah, I think so. He got hurt. I guess he got hurt right after. Yeah. 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 He got hurt right after. It's pretty much entire team totally redesigned. Yep. 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 And Phil is their captain now. I mean, that really – as I've said before, that really sums it up. They went from Supercross chant to Phil. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, all right. Speaking of Phil, you'll enjoy this. Oh, yeah. uh, they, they return direct flight service from um, Charlotte to South Bend, Indiana, once a day. The flight went away, I think, in 2013. Uh-huh. For some reason, it came back. So it was basically the Redbud Express shuttle. Yep. I mean, I think there were five people on the plane that weren't going to Redbud. Yep. So it's all of JGR, Cooper Webb, and his girlfriend, Cooper Webb's you know, whoever else in Cooper Webb's kind of posse orbit. Uh, Phil, who's not with JGR, but is still in the area. And then Phil and I ended up having seats next to each other, which we were both like, no, please, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we talked the whole Oh, even Roxon and uh, Roxon's fiance Courtney were on it. I don't even know how that happened, but they were on the flight. But they were on it, too. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I have no idea. And the dog. Um, so Phil and I talked the entire time, hour and ten minutes. And apparently I'm so loud that everybody heard Phil and I talking the entire time, and they were very angry. But, <laughs> you know, it is a Phil, man. I, an hour and ten, I was just getting started. Oh, yeah. No, it's great. Phil's fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. He should sell that. He should sell a VIP program. Yeah. But instead of tours of the rig or the stadium, you get to just fly with him. Well, I like J-Bone saying, I, you know, not anything bad. I just I like Phil not on my team anymore because I just – don't have to keep talking to him to fans and media and everybody else. Right? Yeah, like he didn't yep. mean it in a bad way, but he just—it's just off his plate now. He doesn't need to worry about Phil. Yeah. So a lot of attention on Phil. Well, you're you're driving that one too. I am the Phil train. No, I am. I am. I'm driving it. Just think about it. And by the way, do you know who Plessinger's mechanic is? Billy. Yeah. Do you know Billy's deal? Well, he was eleven. Was he eleven ten? He was eleven ten. He's in the story. Yeah. Yep. Oh, going for titles. Yeah. Yep. So, so either the X1110 rider or the X1110 mechanic will probably win this title. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. That's just just adds to that story even more. So Billy Billy's Dog. wrenching for Pleasanger and Amart is going for it. So unreal. All right. Well, hey, thanks to Fly Racing. Thanks to Maxis. Thanks to Alpine Stars for making this podcast happen. We thank Jason Thomas, who uh, who's gone now, and, and you, Weege. Thanks, buddy. And and uh, sorry, everybody, it's late, but Pastrana and his jumps had us captured, and then things happened today. So, But it's done. Cool. All right. All right. See ya. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. 
we get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. Absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, like beating a dead horse, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pick and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years.